Hello, welcome to Let's Talk Cancer by the Union for International Cancer Control, an organisation that unites and supports the cancer community to reduce the global cancer burden. I'm Kerry Adams and I'm the CEO of the UICC based here in sunny Geneva. Join us as we discuss topics most relevant to the cancer community. Today we are talking about cancer diagnostics and treatment technologies that can improve the chances of survival and quality of life for people with cancer. The earlier a cancer is detected, the more effective it can be treated successfully. And there are promising innovations all the time that are benefiting patients in different ways and making effective cancer care more accessible. With us today, we will discuss this with Dr. Ben Newton, General Manager of GE Healthcare's Global Oncology Solutions. Ben, it is great to have you with us today. Whereabouts in the world are you, by the way? Thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure to talk to you again. I'm actually in the UK at our HQ at Pollard's Wood, which is, which is west of London in the sort of leafy county of Buckinghamshire. Well, it's great to have you with us. Let's move straight on to my first question. So some of the, the latest technologies that have improved early detection, what are they? I mean, improving like operational procedures, the clinical outcomes, and for people living with cancer, what, what are you seeing at the moment that excites you? The traditional way cancer is detected is through blood tests and, and, of course, through imaging as well, where screening programs exist, particularly for breast and, and lung, for example. And I think in these spaces, we're seeing a lot of advances in the use of AI that effectively look at the radiomic profile, which is really looking in detail at an image and the texture of the image and the different form and shapes and features using AI to pick up particular features of the tumor, location of the tumor, and of course, how those features change are highly indicative of prognosis and of course, can differentiate the cancer as well. So lots of exciting work going on right now to really determine whether a cancer is truly malignant or not. Uh, using AI to do that is really changing the game, I think, for breast, prostate, and lung in particular. Coming on rapidly on top of that is uh, the combination of data types, so so-called multimodal-based diagnosis, because, of course, blood biomarkers and genetics, as well as imaging, is used in the diagnosis. But combining those can really add performance and improvements to the way the cancer can be diagnosed and, and certainly what might happen for that patient. I'm actually a beneficiary of the advances in technology, Ben. You just prompted me to, to just to note that um, I'm having an ankle replacement in July 14th. They actually took a 3D MRI scan of my ankle, which has gone off to the USA, and they are currently printing me a 3D replacement ankle which will fit perfectly in my bad right foot. And that brought home to me just how much things have moved, even in the last three years, because that wasn't really offered to anyone three years ago. You know, when you take an image and the 3D shape of the image, there's software now, of course, which was used in your case to reconstruct a 3D model of your ankle. Actually, we can construct a 3D model of the tumour and use that to target radiation. We can use it to target surgical robots. You know, we can use that guidance and the software tools that are available now for all sorts of applications, but it's the precision around that software which is truly transformative. I noticed that GE has a particular passion about equity in health, making the advances that you make and, and presumably others make as well 
more broadly available to communities around the world, particularly disparities in breast cancer, something I know that you're passionate about. So maybe you could talk to us about that because at the end of the day, technological advances available to the few are not really advances for society, are they? This is an area that really I get up every morning to do. When you think about outcomes in cancer, they're well described and oftentimes very poor. But when you look at the data, diagnosis at stage one or two of most cancers, so that's essentially before the cancer is metastasized, um, but diagnosis at that early stage, the five-year survival outcomes are really very good indeed. And it's surprising really how good they are when, of course, we hear so much uh, about cancer and its consequences. The five-year survivorship, again, for most cancers, stage three and four and beyond, of course, are poor because it's much more difficult to tackle metastatic disease than a primary tumor. That's the fundamental point. Even with current treatments, what's critical here is to detect early. And we're fortunate as a company to work across the world with some amazing cancer hospitals who have very strong models of care for the early detection of cancer. You referred to breast. One of those cancer hospitals is uh, Gustave Rossi in Paris and another is St. Luke's in the US and there are others in the UK, Cambridge, for example. These models of care have managed to effectively run a lean diagnostic process whereby if a patient has a suspicious mammogram, the referral can be into a one-stop clinic or a rapid diagnostic center and a treatment plan can be defined after a series of tests in a single day or certainly within 36 hours or so. And what that means is the interval between diagnosis and initiation of treatment is much shorter, the order of days rather than weeks or months. And of course, this is where cancer can convert from a stage two to a stage three or a stage three to four or a stage one to three. For example, it can advance quite quickly in a matter of weeks. So if you have a model of care that can really get patients onto treatments quickly and the right treatments, of course, then you can vastly improve the outcome. The data tells us that when you treat early specifically, the outcomes are improved. Ben, that's fascinating. The challenges that obviously the, the countries you mentioned there are very different from the challenges that we see in low middle income countries. And um, if you build on top of that, that that's where we're going to see an aging population, increased population and the likelihood for more cancers over time. I think projections suggest 70 to 75 percent of new cancers in the next 20 to 30 years will be in those countries. How transferable do you think is that approach to other parts of the world where maybe some of the, the core infrastructure is not in place. There are challenges around the infrastructure, facilities, availability of trained staff. Once the equipment sale has been done, you know, there needs to be follow-up, there needs to be training and education and so on. But also there needs to be public health awareness um, programs as well so that the public know that those facilities are available and they know what to look out for in terms of symptoms and things like that. But I think just in terms of the simplicity that, for example, a one-stop clinic affords. We've seen it being replicated in countries like Egypt, for example. The view is that the model of care is more about the organization so that the efficiency is there and the protocols are there so that patients come in um, and they get seen with 
appropriate equipment doesn't necessarily have to be advanced equipment actually um, and the uh, cancer if something is identified using imaging that is suspicious that simple tests can be carried out to guide treatment plans and, and follow-up so i think it, we're seeing these models because they are simple being adopted in those low and middle income countries but there's more to do we've got to align those diagnostic and treatment planning clinics with suitable treatments and this is where partnerships with radiation therapy companies with pharmaceutical companies and also um, trained surgeons become key so it's, it's we really got to join those pieces together to really drive those outcomes but i do think that it's it's possible it's interesting for me that um, you've mentioned the word patient quite a few times is that a design criteria? Do you really think through the patient journey through the technologies that you have, which allow for the early detection? How, how does the, the patient fit in your thinking and your design? For us, the patient experience is critical. You know, fortunately, even when a suspicious mammogram is observed, the likelihood that it is suspicious, truly suspicious, is actually quite low. But for the patient, it's truly anxious time. And all sorts of anxieties and concerns obviously will, will arise. And that experience in itself can be really challenging. So these one-stop clinics, I think, give an opportunity for the patient to take their partners in or a friend to help with that process. Now that just a simple process of having someone there with you is much, much better in terms of patient anxiety. But when it comes to, for example, other tools, we're developing integrated care solutions. So for Christmas, we, we announced that we're working again with, with Cambridge and Addenbrooke's to design a digital solution that will pull patient data into a single viewer so that all of the stakeholders of care could have a single source of truth effectively on those patient uh, on their patients data our aim with that is not just to provide better access to the information so that better decisions can be made but also so that patients themselves could have access to their own data to see what decisions are made and so on about uh, about their their care and so on so and of course it's well described that patients who are informed who are actively participating in their care generally also have better outcomes too. Even when it comes to the development of these technologies, we will have patient advocates in those design teams to give the patient view about what or may not be required or what should be engineered into the system. Ben, if I could take you forward the next decade or so, you know, what, what do you think are the big headlines, um, changes or systemic changes in, in the way that we operate um, for cancer treatment and care? What's your view from GE on on where do you think the big breakthroughs are going to occur in the next 10 to 15 years? There's going to be a combination of things, inevitably. There are a lot of developments in screening using liquid biopsy, lots of developments in genomic testing, so panels of genes that can be detected in blood samples. It's already starting to, to show that this will be the case, that risk genes or genes associated with certain risk factors for the development of cancer, so so-called polygenic risk scores, will become part of our, our screening armory as well. Patients at certain risk of cancers could be detected and therefore monitored more closely. Patients who have the early signs of cancer will be picked up through um, screening and prevention programs as, as well. But I think 
those tests then, those blood tests change the way perhaps how we think about asymptomatic screening or public health-based uh, screening for, for cancer. There's a follow-on to that, which is that, of course, there will be follow-up tests required. If something is observed untoward, follow-up tests will be required, and that will inevitably involve imaging. And, and, and actually, what's also been shown is that a multimodal approach to the follow-up, where data are combined um, to form things like radiogenomic tests, so combinations of imaging and, and genomic signatures, could give a much stronger idea as to the prognosis, the type of cancer, and what's even more surprising is the most appropriate treatment that, that should be given. And this is perhaps the most exciting for us and for patients and physicians alike, that when you combine multimodal data, you can actually understand the cancer at a much deeper level and even match therapies to the signature that is being identified through that radiogenomic combination. And what that means, of course, when you combine those sorts of technologies with these expedited diagnosis and treatment models, like the one stop I was talking about, you get the best of both worlds. You could actually shorten the timelines to a matter of days if something is detected, and you can then match the appropriate treatment, the optimal treatment, to that patient to get the best outcomes. And I think that's truly exciting because, as I said, even now we know that five-year survival rates are really quite good if you detect at stage two. They deteriorate at stage three or four. But imagine if you've got better treatments, better targeted treatments, better immunotherapies and combinations with radiation therapy as well, um, targeted rapidly and more specifically to patients that's where the outcomes can really change. So, so I think for, it's, it's probably the most exciting time um, to be in what people call precision medicine because there are approaches that when combined could actually lead to better outcomes. Ben, I think you echo the views of many people I've spoken to that we are entering a very exciting period of time where we're gonna make great advances in the detection of cancers and the treatment of cancers. So I really appreciate your time, Ben, as ever. Great to talk to you and uh, your insights and the work that you do, the work that G Healthcare does is fantastic. Really appreciate your support and partnership. So good luck with what you're doing and hopefully we'll catch up soon. We've come up to the World Cancer Congress. It's coming up in October, so hopefully we shall see you there and I'm, I'm sure that many of the people who listen to this podcast will tap you on the shoulder and want to have a chat with you about what you can do in their part of the world. So Ben, thank you very much. Wish you a good day and uh, we'll catch up soon. Great. Thanks so much, Karen. See you soon. If you enjoyed this Let's Talk Cancer, please join us again in future podcasts when I'll be talking to other incredible individuals in the cancer community making a difference to cancer control around the world.